0: No one really knows what the script is you know if if you make a little slip there's a good chance no one in the audience actually knows even though you may think it's the end of the world so just relax and you know understand that as long as you know what you're doing and you you've done your preparation and as much as you can one small slip of words isn't the end of the world just yeah lean, lean into it bounce back and keep going
1: g'day guys coming up on the show today is chris mcpherson Monday to Friday, Chris works in insurance, but he's also been a freelance ground announcer and MC for the better part of a decade. Chris's speaking gigs have led him to work with sports like Newcastle Jets, New South Wales Rugby League, Cricket New South Wales, Football New South Wales, Bar TV Sport and Kojo, as well as many more. Today, we dive into how Chris created a part-time career in sport that fits around his work outside of sport. If you're thinking about how you can dip your toe into the sports world without quitting your current job or if you're just interested in sports media roles, have a listen to Chris. Let's go.
2: I started volunteering It's all about who you know in sport Am I going to be calling the last 10 seconds of the grand final? You can connect with the interviewer The hand goes up when they've got to make a decision
1: Having a network is one of the most important things you can do
2: I didn't necessarily follow my passion I followed my curiosity Once you've worked in sport, there's no going back And then lo and behold, before I left, I got offered two
1: Hello and welcome to the Sports SportsGrad podcast, the ultimate guide to make it in the sports industry. I'm Ryan Walker and joining me is the charismatic Reuben Williams. We are two mates who met at Cricket Australia and each week we learn how people made it in the sports industry. We tease out their career decisions, their work habits, skills and everything that they do that makes them great. Also that you can learn how to get in, get promoted
2: and get thriving in the sports industry. Roos, my good friend, how are you? G'day, Ryan. I'm doing terrific. Thank you. It's, it's grand final time. When this goes out, the grand finals of Cross AFL and NRL will both have been run and won. It's a magnificent time to be in Australia, and uh, it's giving me a lot of FOMO at the moment because I'm currently in Portugal. Portugal's a beautiful place, but uh, there's nothing quite like being uh, in the heart of AFL or NRL land when uh, when the grand final's on. But um, uh, funny funny circumstances this week where I am, Ryan, because um, I'm currently in Lisbon, capital of Portugal, and I'm staying with a sports grad member, which I have never done before. Oh. <laughs> and uh, so I'm currently living at the family house of a, a member called Francisco Garcia. Now, Francisco and I met because he came to the Sydney meetup last year, and he said, I've just moved to Australia on a two-year visa. I'm looking, looking to get a job in sport. And um, he said, I'm from Portugal, Lisbon. And I said, oh, that's really cool. I'm I'm heading to Portugal next year. And Francisco, v- being the very kind and generous person that he is, very quickly said, oh, well, if you're heading to Lisbon, you have to stay with me and my, my family. And I said, I will take you up on that. Be careful who you offer things Absolutely. to because I, I will take them up. <laughs> and, um, and sure enough, down the track, we... Got messaging again, and he said, "Yep, just let us know when you're here, and uh, you can come and stay at stay at my place." And I mentioned Francisco's on this two-year Australian visa. Very fortunately, he's come back to Europe for the Rugby World Cup to see Portugal in action. So we're crossing over uh, at a time when um, he should be in Australia right now. But uh, so I'm. That's that's where I am right now. I'm currently in the spare bedroom. And uh, I guess you could say this is a start of sports grad couch surfing, which uh, we haven't done before, but might be worth pushing in the future.
1: Awesome mate well, we absolutely love being hosted by sports Grab members that's uh, pretty much the dream of the sports grad community. We can just go wherever and we've got mates uh, in most countries so that's a, that's absolutely awesome and Sporting Lisbon as well as a place to go watch football is absolutely incredible, so that would have been very cool as well. But let's uh, let's get cracking into the episode. You can follow us on LinkedIn and if you want to connect with us and hundreds of others working in the sports industry, you can become a member of the sports great community. Speaking of the sports great community, Rubes, give us an update. What's been happening?
2: Yeah, it's been a big week for the community. We've got three massive wins across three big sports. Uh, the first shout out goes to Lachlan Mitchell who has been a member for some time now. We know him well and we're very proud to Say that he is joining Harness Racing Victoria in a comms role. So well done to you, Lockie. Jordan Beecham is joining the Mighty Geelong Football Club as a customer experience officer. Well done to you, Jordan. And uh, Rishab Mahajan is joining Melbourne City as a match day operations staff. So three big sports there, uh, which is fantastic for those guys to to get involved in. So, well done to you guys. And for everyone else, if you want to get involved in the community, we've always got events. Coming up, we've got regular speed networking events, regular job fairs, regular masterclasses, and um, if you're looking for a job in sport, the uh, Sports Grad Community is for you. And uh, if you are working in sport and you're looking to take your career to the next level, have a look at Sports Grad Pro and uh, apply to join our next intake for that community. Otherwise, if you would enjoy a quick email from us each Friday and all the latest opportunities and, and events coming up as well as some quick tips and advice on how to get started in sport, head to sportsgrad.com.au forward slash newsletter to uh, get a hold of our newsletter.
1: Amazing. Well, enjoy this chat with Chris McPherson. With a new course, Deakin Business School is preparing graduates to capitalize on the golden opportunities in sports management. It's time to take charge of your career with the Executive Masters of Sports Management, a one-of-a-kind qualification which is designed as a more advanced version of Deakin's popular Master of Business in Sports Management, which is the number one ranked program of its kind in Australia. Delivered online via Deakin's Cloud Campus, the EMSB provides students with a focus on specific business knowledge including areas of strategy, sports governance, leadership, and fan engagement. Capitalise on the golden decade with a degree that will give you the skills you need. Chris, it's been a long time coming. Welcome to the SportsCrad podcast. Thank you for having me.
2: Chris, it's wonderful to have you on the show. Finally, you're a beloved SportsCrad member and you're a, you're a massive sports fan. Grand final weekend is coming up across... AFL and NRL. What do you typically do on a grand final weekend? Given there's so much great sport happening,
0: well, traditionally it's either bunker down on the couch on a Saturday, uh, being in New South Wales, and then trying to get to the game on a Sunday where where it fits in. Uh, but it just depends on the year. Uh, with a few other things I'm doing in the pipeline, I'm actually emceeing a rugby league presentation on Saturday, so I'm going to have to watch the game either on my phone in between pieces or something else. And then Sunday I'll just be bunker down on the couch this year for the NRL grand final, but. Yeah, it's all about getting into as much of it as
1: we can. Nice, mate. I uh, it's funny you say you're emceeing a a rugby league presentation night. I'm I'm actually also emceeing a a women's lacrosse club and uh, a <laughs> presentation night in a few weeks' time. So I might have to ask for a few tips from you once you once you get that done. I mean, you've you've done all this before, but you're probably my go-to when it comes to uh, emceeing. So that's reminded me to actually. Uh, get in touch with you, mate. So, thanks for doing that. No problem. <laughs> and, uh,
2: I'll, I'll borrow those tips as well. I've got a bit more time, but um, I'm uh, co-hosting a wedding in uh, in January. So, um, I'll need all the help I can get. <laughs> yeah, I like it, boys. I like it.
1: Maybe we need a, a SportsCode Community MC 101 session before we uh, <laughs> embark on those robes. I think it's probably, <laughs> probably needed after all these years. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Let's lock that in, uh, lock that in mate. Um, mate, you know how this podcast works. You're a loyal listener. You've been listening for years now, but uh, we do love our quick-fire questions to start our episode, so uh, those on the other end can you know, learn a little bit about you to, to start the episode and we can, we can get into the more hard-hitting stuff uh, soon. So I'll, I'll kick us off. Uh, what was your first ever job? Working at McDonald's, uh, the old grill crew, uh, getting up some mischief around sort of 17, 18 as lots of us have done
0: over the years. Um, so yeah, so I think that lasted for all of about six or seven weeks over
2: Christmas holidays when I finished school and then headed straight off to uni. Very good. I hear the training is excellent at McDonald's and um, you mentioned uni, what did you study?
0: Uh, so I did a, well, I got 90% of the way through a uh, double degree in, in maths and science and I uh, Probably should have finished it, and it 's now expired, but yeah that was the uh, the plan originally was to be a school teacher, but i 've come a long way and uh, taken some different directions from there is uh, is fairly apparent no, and uh, what 's your favorite sporting moment there's so many to pick from uh, I had uh, you know a few in mind here you know, but uh, couldn 't go past as a man city fan and uh, the Aguero goal uh, I remember sitting up with some some mates who were Man united fans and riding that roller coaster that final day in. Was that 2011, 2012? So 11 and a bit years ago, and yeah, just that moment and how it turned that rivalry on its head a little and handed City that title was was huge because there was so much that happened in that last few minutes. I think of that, so that just really sealed it, capped it, and probably inspired me a little bit for commentary too because just how that was encapsulated by by the commentary as well, which just added to that moment. Nice. Yeah, that was a big day
2: in uh, Ryan's life as a loyal Man City yeah. fan. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, we we'll we'll share happy. that. <laughs> awesome um, and do I don't you know, think
1: it's ever been mentioned before in the sporting moment I'm glad I, I'm glad I no, glad I could, I could,
2: so glad I could bring it back up for you
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> um, and do you have a favorite question that you like to ask of uh, potential candidates yeah
0: I, I uh, I'm a big reader so I always like to ask them what book um, they'd recommend to people so it's always interesting gives you a bit of an insight into the person some of their interests um, I' did an interview not that long ago and someone actually just said they don't read, which threw me a bit. But yeah, I, I always like that as a it can go in so many different directions and they can sort of take it off the way they want.
1: Nice. Uh, and speaking of reading, what, what's a book or a podcast you'd recommend that's helped you in your career or at work?
0: Um, so Mark Burris, I'm a big Mark Burris subscriber. I'm actually currently reading one of his books, but yeah, his podcasts um, in terms of he's got sort of two that are packaged together, The Mentor and Straight Talk. And Always just find every one of them, I take something a little away from it, it might not be directly uh, related to what the topic was, but there always just seems to be some really good little nuggets in there and yeah, the way he takes on topics that others don't necessarily do and pulls things apart is really good and obviously he's got a bit of a legacy and a platform that he's built himself, that's probably an understatement.
2: Love straight talk, it's good. And Chris, are you associated with any grassroots sporting clubs?
0: Uh, I am. I have been associated with a number of different ones over the years. Played a lot of sports, but most recently um, I've sort of well, I've just hung up the the boots or the whistle, as you will, as a referee. But still involved with the, the rugby league referees in in Newcastle uh, where I'm based. Uh, but yeah, certainly uh, still have plenty of input, and I've got a few local footy clubs as well that sort of call on me for different bits of input, and I try and support them with some of the sort of the more business-driven stuff that they do as well. But yeah, the referees is something that look, I've been involved in refereeing for. Well, since I was 14. So it's that 23 seasons. So yeah, giving up the on-field active role, but still going to be involved off-field with them and and really looking forward to continuing to contribute to that because without referees and umpires, we don't really have a game. So they're a really crucial and sort of sometimes forgotten element of uh, grassroots sport.
1: Nice. And uh, finally, if you had 30 minutes to pick anybody's brain, who would it be? Uh, geez,
0: there's so many, again, to pick from, but uh, yeah, someone like a, a Bruce McAvaney, I think in, in my lines that, you know, that uh, I'm pursuing would be absolutely phenomenal. I've been really lucky with a couple of the roles that I, that I do with Ground Announcing and a few others that I've had some really experienced people. Ryan, I know we've talked about Glenn Hawke before, and uh, he's been someone that's been really good to me. Mm. But yeah, to pick apart Bruce and talk through the um, absolutely monumental career that he's built and how he goes about it. I know we've heard some bits on some of the previous episodes um, around how detailed he is. Um, just looking into that and exactly how he goes about his prep and, and some of those other things that, that have made Bruce the absolute icon of years of um, sports coverage and presenting. Amazing.
2: Well, I'm sure you've already listened to them, but um, two of our interviews with Channel 7 AFL commentators, Hamish McLaughlin and Brian Taylor, basically gave us all their best advice as first given by Bruce. Every single time they gave us a, a bit of an, an insight, they are like, Oh, Bruce taught me this, so now I do that. So we kind of got to learn mm. through Bruce as via Hamish and BT. So um, um, episodes 124 and 210, if anyone wants to go and learn through Bruce for those. But um, Chris, let's uh, dive into uh, to your crew, mate. You're a busy man. You've got a lot of things going on the fly. What, what are you up to at the moment?
0: Uh, most recently, it's been uh, doing a little bit of work with Kojo with the Australian Volleyball Super League, which... Uh, it was my first uh, introduction, thanks to Sports Grab, which was very nice. Um, so yeah, that, that was really exciting. They're sort of relaunching volleyball and trying to, I guess, oh, I don't know if they'll like this line, but big bashify it, uh, make it you know a bit more of a, a <laughs> compact for TV presentation as well as spectator engagement. Get into that really traditional three-hour sports window that um, crosses that sports and entertainment line. Uh, so that has been really cool to work with the team at KOJO on that. Also continuing to work with uh, the Newcastle Jets as a ground announcer. Um, and some sort of freelance commentary with a few different, um, I guess, organisations from Football New South Wales to Bar TV Sports, which is a live streaming company sort of here in Newcastle and New South Wales Rugby League for the New South Wales Cup as well. So they've sort of been the, the main focus over the last few months, just juggling those around each other.
2: Nice. I believe you also got a, a full-time job on top of that. How does this all, all fit together?
0: I do. I, I work outside of sports Monday to Friday, 9 to 5, which uh, in, in the insurance industry, uh, I'm very lucky. That they've been very flexible over the years, including you know, when you get some more challenging assignments like commentating Sheffield Shield and things like that that run in those hours. But, uh, yeah, look, I've been working insurance for over a decade and they're really flexible. Um, I guess it's the key to being able to pursue some of these things until they get to the point where they are a full-time piece. Uh, is you know having some understanding and flexible employers in that regard and, and I've been very fortunate um, with CBN that I work for to, to be able to do that, pursue that and um, have some bosses that sort of just set the expectation that as long as everything's ticked off they don't ask too many questions about what hours it's done in and I'm you know, meeting everything I need to so it does help especially yeah, when it comes to those events or when I've got big things coming up that I've got to prep for.
1: How, how do you find the, the balance of doing that? Because I I reckon that would scare a lot of people, don't you think? Um,
0: I have a, uh, a, a what I'll call a weakness, Ryan. Um, I don't know how to say no very, very well. Uh, it's much to the de- detriment uh, of my uh, my lovely fiance. Uh, she's very very patient and tolerant. So um, yeah, I quite often say yes to things and then think about what the consequence and time input. Uh, of it is required, and um, I often make light. I uh, use sort of the line. I think it's attributed to Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't know if it was actually him, but you know, when you get busy, you just need to sleep faster. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's a bit of a balance, and trying to maintain, you know, obviously a relationship and a home life as well as a full-time job, a part-time freelancing job where travel and things are involved. Um, And then just, you know, all the other pieces, including, you know, keeping yourself healthy mentally and physically, which are pretty key parts of being able to do the other ones, but finding time for those is, it's just, yeah, time management. I I wouldn't say I'm perfect at it, but I've gotten a lot better at it out of necessity over time.
1: Yeah, nice. Well, yeah, it sounds like a hectic schedule, mate. And um, yeah, I'm not sure many many could do it. So it's, it's super impressive. Um, speaking about the, the ground, uh, ground presenting and announcing, how did you get your start in that? Because it's such an area that everyone you know, knows about but isn't actually sure how, how do you start and how do you get into it?
0: Well, it's, it's an interesting one because it was never the end goal, if that makes sense. Um, the aspiration sort of was always to push down the commentary path and well, it goes back a fair way. I started with doing some vlogs and things when I was in Darwin. Um, I was living up there before being back in Newcastle. And we're going back about eight years, uh, nine years, and started just doing some vlogs on the local uh, rugby league and rugby union competitions up there. Uh, Managed to have one that took off really well, because I managed, uh, they had a uh, sevens tournament up in Darwin, and there was a guy called Zach Guildford, who used to play for the All Blacks. Um, So I was doing some sort of interviews post-game as the sevens tournament went on, rushing to the laptop, editing, uploading, running back, doing more interviews. Uh, And this one got shared by Zach. It also got shared by uh, his club side in New Zealand in the provincial competition and ended up with something like 400,000 views in the first couple of days, uh, which then got some really good traction and kind of motivated me a little bit to go, hey, there's there's something here. So I kept doing that. Uh, I then relocated to Newcastle, went into podcasting, which then led to Bar TV, who I still work with, approaching us about doing some sideline commentary on cricket. And it's just been about saying yes to opportunities and then sort of, it's like, it's a bit of a, a cliche, but then figuring out how to do it as you go, which, you know, fake it till you make it a little bit. Um, and then, yeah, I went to a contact I know through Rugby League refereeing, was running the merchandise store for the Newcastle Jets. Uh, he asked if I could do a Q&A for them and host that for some players for a signing session. Said yes, figured I'd figure it out as I got there, which I did obviously adequately enough because... One of the media contacts at the club, a guy um, by the name of Grant Sproul, reached out to me a couple of weeks later and just said, hey, can you do ground announcing? I'm glad to this day that he had not ask me, have you done ground announcing? It was all in the wording. Um, <laughs> I said, yes, I can. He said, are you available this weekend? I said, no, I'm not. And I thought, oh, well, there goes that idea. I'll stick to commentary. Two weeks later, they reached out to me again. Um, I rocked up not knowing because a lot of the commentary I'd done up to that point had sort of been you know, voluntary, getting experience. and I was only just starting to get some money for that, so I thought it would be the same pattern did the ground announcing and the, the COO of the, of the Jets at the time sort of said on the way out hey make sure you send us an invoice and I was sitting there going I have no idea how much to charge you or what to do here but okay I'll, I'll just guess and hopefully they call me back um, and yeah and now three and a half seasons later I'm still on board with them doing all their women's games doing a good share of their men's games um, going around with them and even getting you know where they're, where they're sort of taking me around for their pre-season games to places like Coffs Harbour and Tamworth as well where you know those those sorts of roles might not be um sort of facilitator as well which has
2: been great that sounds absolutely awesome <laughs> and I'll, um i love how you just like said yes to one and just kind of spiral into the next and yeah. the next and um i want i wanted to know like wh- what do you, is there anything that you do specifically to try and make sure you you keep getting another gig or is there any particular reason why you think you keep getting asked back to to come again
0: yeah i, I think there's a few things uh one it is obviously a bit of preparation where you can. Sometimes that's limited for different things depending on what you're doing. Uh, Commentary, definitely a lot easier than ground announcing to do preparation and and it becomes key depending on the level, how much you can do But with the internet at your disposal. Obviously, it's pretty huge. Uh, Little things like pronunciations, getting players' names right, uh, not assuming things are going to be one way or the other and then just putting your hand up when they ask you to do things and I think that's one of the reasons that, you know, I managed to really ingratiate myself with the Jets was, uh, you know, there was one week there they said, look, you know you're doing the ground announcing can you run the scoreboard no problem you know sort of just dig in figure it out try and work it out balance it as you're doing then you know the DJ that they're having wasn't doing a great job and tiny small crowds with the women's games so they said look you know can you you know just sort of facilitate it? i had the podcast deck so do a bit of podcasting as well which I'm sure we'll touch on um and managed to set that up and just play some Spotify through it into the PA system and just have some stuff going there and so again it's not necessarily making yourself, you know, um, to a point where they can't operate without you. But the more things you can do, the more likely they are to, you know, rely on you and put their hand, you know, put their hand out to you and reach out to you when there's an opportunity. And again, it's just saying yes. It's working with it, making everyone else's job as easy as you can within reason. Um, and then, yeah, like that, that other side of things is never questioned. And it's just look, you know, if there's an opportunity, and I think because of that, I've managed to get a pretty good name, especially in our local area here, where for lots of different things, it's just kind of Hey, we'll reach out and see if Chris can do that. People associate you with that whole realm of basically anything that's got a microphone. For me, it's hey, we'll we'll see if Chris can or or is willing to do it. And, you know, it's gotten to the point now where I quite often I have to turn down a lot of gigs because I'm double booked. Whereas I talk to others and they turn down a few gigs and because they're just turning them down without having set that platform, they're not getting the callbacks. Whereas, you know, like some of these providers that I'm doing a lot with like Bar TV Sports, I've turned down three times as many things this year as I've taken up, but I got another message today to see if I could do something for them on Saturday. And again, I had to say no because I've got a rugby league presentation, but um, it's just that willingness to, to work, you know, roll, roll your sleeves up. It's, it's nothing complex. It's saying yes and just doing everything you can and, you know, trying to learn things, figure things out and keep adding value.
1: It sounds like it's one of those professions where like if you wait for when you think that you're you're perfect at it or, you know, you think, oh, I can't do that yet. I'll, I'll wait till I'm, I've got runs on the board or, like, or that kind of thing. It'll, it'll never happen. Like it sounds like you, you've you jumped in and you just back yourself, you know, you just make it work. You might not be perfect at it but you just jump in and then that's really the only way like you can you can grow into it. So, I mean, that's probably some advice but I, I'm keen to understand like in those early days – Were there any times when you just completely stuffed up or, you know, you were so nervous or something like that? Because I can imagine for those people out there wanting to get into this, that might be something that's holding them back. Like, they don't want to make a mistake and they're they're worried about that because it is such a public role. So, can you understand and maybe make some of those people out there feel a bit better that you know, you've made a mistake before and it's okay.
0: I, I consistently slip up. I consistently make mistakes. Uh, one of the greatest lines I've ever been told by someone who works in a similar field and has done some different sporting, ground announcing, podcasting, all those sorts of things, is the wonderful thing about all we do is very few, if any, people know what the script says. Yeah. yeah. So at the end of the day, like a lot of the time, if you're, you, you can think you've absolutely, you know, uh, done the proverbial in the bed, but a lot of people won't know, haven't noticed, aren't aware. So don't overthink it. Don't get there. And, you know, it's no different at playing sport, I guess. You know, like, if you get there and just dwell on the one mistake, well, another mistake's going to follow and another mistake's going to follow that. So it's shake it off, move on to the next bit. And, you know, if you're nailing 99%, there's a few cardinal sins. Uh, I know in Newcastle, if you're ground announcing the Jets and you say Newcastle Knights or vice versa, that's a cardinal sin that'll get picked up pretty quickly and um, has probably shortened some careers at different points. But outside of that, most of the other stuff, if you're just, you know, working through it, getting it done you're going to make mistakes. We're all human. We all do. It doesn't matter what role, what sphere, what industry you're in. Um, you know. Uh, and look, I know that I made a couple of absolute howlers on the last ground announcing I did for the Newcastle Jets versus Brisbane Raw, their trial game up at Coffs Harbour. No one said anything. No one noticed because, again, you just get straight back into it and make sure that you don't keep making the same mistakes. And you know, there's, there's little pieces there. You're going to stumble over words or you're going to freeze up a little bit and you know, in terms of nerves, like I still get nervous. You know, going out and doing a crossbar challenge in front of you know seven or eight thousand people, um, on, in the middle of McDonald Jones Stadium. But I think that that's a little bit of keeping you honest too. I think it, is it, you're probably going to be complacent if you're not getting nerves at that point too. Or, you know, and I don't know, like someone like you know a Glenn Hawke or a Bruce McAvaney, whether they're still at, still at that level where they're getting nerves. But yeah, certainly at this point, and I still think I'm pretty early in the, in the piece, but making my way. Nerves are ever present. Mistakes are ever present. It's just about. Yeah, I guess the 99% versus the 1%, and making sure you're executing those pieces.
2: It sounds like you are very well established in, in the Newcastle area and more broadly, New South Wales area. If you were to, say, move to the other side of Australia, you were to upend your laughing and go to Perth, wh- what would you do to try and re establish yourself in a, in a new place where your, your networks aren't as solidified?
0: Well, I don't think it's going to be a revolutionary plan to anyone, but it is just get as many opportunities as you can behind the microphone. And I've chatted to a couple of Sports grab members. that I know, Ryan, you sent a couple sort of over to have a chat. And it's very much like, even if you want to be a commentator, go and have a crack at anything else that's involving a microphone, whether it's a podcast, whether it's, you know, ground announcing, whether it's MCing. At the end of the day, it's good practice at enunciation, presentation, all those pieces that are fairly common pieces to all the things that we're doing. And the great thing is if you, you know, stuff up, royally in another sphere it's not going to crazily impact that sphere first of all and the other thing is like most volunteer or or low-tier grassroots sporting organizations are now there's a lot of them that are streaming there's lots of streaming providers so reach out to them and you know offer your services or go and try and you know sit off the shoulder of someone who's doing some stuff um, in that area Uh, at the end of the day there's all those opportunities if you really want to do commentary and that sort of piece it might be a little bit embarrassing, but go and get the team list and sit in the back of the grandstand at, you know, country footy or wherever else you might be and just call the game to yourself. A few people might look at you a little bit strangely, but um, you're going to have to get used to people listening to you if that's what you want to pursue. So, it's just do as much as you can. Like, when I first started out doing commentary and stuff here, I was driving two and a half hours to under-18s games of footy in the country representative competition for no money, like, out of my own pocket. Like, you've just got to make those sacrifices and at some point, and look, there was in those early years, I thought it'd never come that I'd get paid for doing commentary and those other pieces. But then all of a sudden, it came in a flurry, and all of a sudden, you know, you're turning down paid gigs, and it's a, a really different piece. But just keep practicing, listen back to what you do. That can be a hard piece as well. Um, and just look for small improvements. You're not going to revolutionise it. And as I said to someone the other day, as much as, you know, I idolise the likes of a, a Bruce McAvaney or something like that, there's only ever going to be one Bruce. So, just, you know, I've got to be Chris McPherson, you know, you've got to be yourself as well. So, bring your own element to it because that's the great thing. It's not the 1980s where, you know, the deep baritone, Daryl Eastlake types are the only ones that can do it.
1: Who, who's who's that? Sorry? Expl, explain who that is.
0: East <laughs> D- D- Eastlake is a motorsport right. and rugby league commentator from the 80s and early 90s. So... Yeah, just check him out. He's uh bombastic and very, very deep voiced.
1: Yeah, I I thought I thought it was kind of like Ray Rabs Warren type territory, like those kind of areas. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He he
0: he was he was one of the big names alongside Ray Warren, and Ray Warren was coming through, but Rabs obviously outlasted him with his dulcet tones.
1: Yeah. Oh, that was the highlight of uh of Origin, to be honest. And all, all of a sudden he just he just kind of left, didn't he? He, he hung, just hung up on ninety nine. Yeah. W- why? Why? Come back, Rabs. He'd be listening.
2: <laughs> Chris, you're a, you've are you been freelancing at sporting events for, for a long, long time. Um, I'd imagine you'd meet other freelancers who kind of come together to help put a sporting event on. For those people out there who might also be working full-time in other industries but uh, would be interested in seeing how they can dip their toe into the sporting world outside of um, their Monday to Friday... What other opportunities do you see in sports um, where freelancers and, and people can uh, can casually get involved?
0: Well, there's a lot of different pieces. There's obviously, you know, all the volunteer roles around a lot of the clubs uh, is the easiest entry and getting yourself known, whether that's, you know, things, simple things like, you know, if I look at the soccer, like stretcher bearers and those sorts of pieces. And it's just about, you know, getting involved where you can, reaching out to a lot of these clubs. They're quite happy to, you know, give people some experience and some exposure. I know. Even from like a social media point of view for people that are either studying or working in another role, there's a number of the clubs that I've worked with where they'll have people come along and spend you know, a game day with their social media coordinator and just let them have a look at what it looks like and what's involved and give you a bit of a snapshot. But that would be, I guess, yeah, just reach out to the clubs and if you've got a field that you think applies to that and you're questioning whether or not you've got the ability to go and make that step. There's so many people that are willing to help. Um, people are always willing to give, you know, advice, feedback, you know, where possible. A lot of them are, let, you know, happy to take you for a, a ride along if you want to call it that, um, where possible. And yeah, it's there's there's a number of avenues, whether it's production, shop calling, um, announcing, through to you know some of the other roles that are match day roles that tend to be those freelancing. Obviously, a lot of the other ones tend to be more of a full time piece. But yeah, a lot of those match day style roles are, are quite often going to be looking at that.
2: Both Ryan and I met a bunch of different casual types of uh, employees come together at various different events because um, I was out at the uh, Sale GP event recently, um, and uh, they have a whole lot of people who just come together because they might work in a medical background and you know they don't need a medical person full time, but you know once the race stays on, they'll they'll bring that type of person in. And Ryan, you've um, you've been to uh, hang out with Champion Data where they've got a variety of uh, casual employees that come together if you could share what some of those are that would be amazing <laughs>
1: yeah 100% like and I I was amazed at the type of roles like especially champion data going in and looking behind the scenes Like as you said Chris like you don't you don't really understand what's happening until you sort of in there and seeing it all happen but like you know all the way from match callers to then you know people who then take his call and then put it into like coding it and and then it goes back to a bunker with then someone else coming in and recoding it again to make sure it's 100 percent accurate like all these little roles that that are there you just you just would not know so i think this is probably the same thing where you don't really understand what goes into it all the whole production piece and all the different roles that come together to to make it all happen until you sort of put yourself in that position so you know like you said just it's it's about just trying to put yourself in there, trying to volunteer, being that in that spot, so you can actually learn what's uh, what's happening, um, and that that's what gives you you know the insight that you're after. Um, I was going to say like because you've mentioned there's you know there's ground announcing, there's MC, there's commentary, like there's all these different roles, and you know like you you can do all of those, but if I was just starting out like. Do I need to be looking at all of those, or or is there is there a step that you'd go first to try and hone the skills um, to allow you to do all of them? Like, what was the first thing that you, or I guess, what is the first thing that you would do? P-
0: Podcasting is probably the easiest one that I got into to start with, and I think it's a really good platform. Um, it gives you that experience in a bit more of a controlled environment where you're sort of you're not live. First of all, you can sort of and i mean you could start out and i did start out and i know we we're talking about sort of sound quality off air i started out with just a laptop and i used to when i first started doing the podcast i'd go around and visit different like, local footy clubs here i do a podcast on the local rugby league in newcastle now you know 5 seasons in um, and it's come from that to having the full setup and you know at the end of the day again it touches back to that point i think ryan you said before it's if you wait till that's perfect you'll never get it going either so just get started. If you've got like a passion or, you, you know, you've got a local club you're involved in, just talk to the club and see if you can, you know, or the competition and see if you can do a bit of a podcast about that. It gives you really good experience behind the microphone. Then they'll start to get to know you. The clubs will get to know you. And then, you know, you can be talking to the clubs and, you know, that really amateur grassroots level. And, hey, I noticed you haven't got a ground announcer. Um, would I be able to give, give that a go? Have you got sort of a, if they've got a PA set up and stuff, obviously it's challenging if they don't. Um, would you be interested you know if they do live stream they games, would you be interested in me just jumping on and commentating giving it a go can I grab you know grab an ex-player or someone else who's around to do special comments and just feed them in and all these sorts of things it's just about getting involvement getting practice but yeah I'd certainly start the podcast is probably the easiest because it's pre-recorded if you do slip if you do mess up then you can just edit it out
1: yep we know that all too well
2: that is uh, interesting to hear that uh, the podcast has also acted as a bit of a Trojan horse to get in front of these organizations for you as well because when um when I started doing sports grad as a YouTube channel way back in the day, um, I would go out to people and say, hey, can I interview you for this channel that I've got? And people who would probably say no to me or not reply to my messages just for a straight-up coffee would say yes because there seemed to be this sophistication around a channel or an interview involved and so you get to meet these incredible people who you otherwise wouldn't and um it's fascinating to hear that even in the um even in the ground announcing space you've been able to use that to your advantage too
0: yeah 100 percent. It's it's been as you say a trojan horse is probably a good way it was never really the intention but it's just sort of you know it's building that brand as well of you know myself with that and you know i, I kind of first realized that when I was weighing up after season two of doing the podcast. I was at a local game of footy. Now remembering that podcasts are a complete audio medium, and a guy came up to me in the pre-season. He's like, "When's the when's the podcast coming back?" I was like, first of all, how the hell do you know who I am?" <laughs> um, and second second of all, it was kind of that you know trigger point in virality, and you know like we're we're looking at doing some things now with our podcast to sort of expand different things. I mean, we've even got like, we've got a charity uh, footy tournament coming up. And we're entering a team, and so it's just become that point where you know the organisers reached out and said, "Hey, would you be able to get like a barbarians team together?" I went yeah that sounds really cool and it's just again continuing to leverage that brand where you get so ingratiated into that community that the first thought nearly everyone has when they're like oh we need someone to get behind some sort of microphone is hey we'll we'll ring chris and you know again if i can't do it i've got a bunch of other guys that i know around the local community that i'm like oh i can't do it but go and have a chat to you know dan or uh, tony or whoever else and you know I think that's the other thing is trying to build a network within your industry and not look at it as competition, which, again, I've been really fortunate with people like Glenn Hawke on the ground announcing Ben Homer when it comes to commentary. Uh, they're guys that have really sort of, you know, given me feedback, support and guidance when I'm, you know, looking at where that next step is or, if you know, when you're doubting yourself just to have that bit of confirmation.
1: You mentioned you've mentioned a couple of podcasts. Uh, can you Can you name what they've been? And also, I know there's a recent podcast that's also started that you're involved in.
0: Yeah, so my original one, uh, which is still running, started out as Sports Castle and became League Castle, which is the one that covers off on uh, Newcastle Rugby League. I've done some cameos on a few others, but in with a, a few of the uh, absolute legends that are the Sports Grab members, we decided to get the uh, the Sporting Mates podcast started. And look, well, I got in gung ho when I happened to have a nice little window of time and let let off the first episode uh, with some some random chat with uh, Brody and Yuri, who Yuri's been kind of. Uh, I guess the steadfast member of the crew and we've, then we've had a few of the other guys jumping on as well and they're really, you know, just spreading across a few of the sports. We've done a bit of NRL, a bit of soccer, a bit of AFL, a few little tie-ins to cricket and, and we're continuing to release that. But it's been a really cool opportunity for a bunch of sports tragics, I might call it, that have come together out of the sports grad community. Um, there's people like myself and Brody Burrows who've obviously got quite a background with the podcasting. Uh, his is probably a bit more esteemed even than my podcasting background um but yeah it's been great to to get into that and you know give some guys who probably haven't done as much podcasting editing production all those other skills um the chance to get in there and and have a crack at that we've even now lured in a few of the other sports grab members who are doing social media stuff and they're helping out on that side so it's just become a a little ecosystem within itself that's sort of uh adjunct to sporting grads which has just been amazing
1: yeah I i reckon it's unreal like there's it's just a group of people trying to learn and get better and obviously it's you you and bros have got that experience, which is great. So for you guys, it's probably, you know, just a bit, bit of fun and you can just get involved and, and chat about sport, which we all love to do. But I think, um, you know, for that group, it's just like, well, what better opportunity is there to just build your skills and, and learn how this all happens? And especially, you know, they've got you guys there to sort of learn from. Like I, th- I think it's – when I first saw that happen, I was like, that is bloody cool. And I was like – and I've been listening to it – uh, the Sporting Mates podcast—it's on my Spotify. Uh, comes on automatically, which is fantastic. Subscribe to it, but um, no, nah, it's brilliant. So shout out to those those guys who're involved in that. It's uh, it's awesome.
0: Yeah, I've loved, I've loved being involved already. I need to get back a bit more diligent now that uh, my rugby league season's over and my podcast will quieten down and get back into it with the boys. But it's it's been really good. It's built some good networks, and you know, even just a few of the boys now where we have sort of specific catch ups on top of the
1: sports grad catch ups that already happen, So it's great. Yeah, awesome, mate. You might have lost rules, but that's okay. Let's talk about uh, sort of future ambitions. Um, you know, is is a balance of sport and non-sport sort of where where you want to be, or do you have other things that you, you're working towards as well?
0: Well, I've got a bit of a, a bit of a vision board sort of setup that um, I've sort of planned out, which leads to potentially at some point in the future, I'm gonna or I want to make or I will I will make the leap into full time sports. Uh, it's just about making sure that obviously that's a sustainable piece, but. Uh, a bit like yourself, mate, um, player management something that I want to tick off on the list. Uh, yeah. I want to become a rugby league player, player manager um, just as a just to get through the qualification, whether I pursue that is another piece. It's something that's always been on the bucket list, but I've got yeah. a bit of a view to eventually build out sort of a bit of a, a sports agency brand, um, which I mean, like in um, partnership with uh, another guy who we're looking at that and what that looks like, so looking at the media side um, and a few other pieces as well, so possibly around some sports travel pieces as well, because it's something else I've been passionate about. I've been ticking off as many sporting events as I can um, each year, yeah, right. uh, aiming for 100, 100 top-tier sporting events this year, so um, around all of my other commitments. So, yeah, look, there's there's some plans there, but, yeah, looking to really push down and hopefully get some more, perma- more what I call permanent gigs with the, the ground announcing, which will yeah. allow me to, to take that step and then leverage that as I go forward.
1: Yeah, awesome. That sounds to be interesting. Like, I think the, the development of where... Um, you know, player management is going is is not just the player management. It's the media, as you've said. It's um, it's you know, partnerships. It's all it's all this kind of thing. So I think that's really interesting. You're thinking about this agency piece and what um, you know, what that can be, and you know, like where, where's that come from? Like you obviously love the 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 public, you know, MC and, and ground announcing and whatnot. But have you have you always sort of been attracted to that side of sport as well.
0: Yeah, certainly have. Like, I guess I come from that business side with what else I do with the insurance piece, and I've seen a few uh, mates and guys I grew up with who've gone and made careers out of footy and played for a decade, and then had not not a lot to show for it as well at the end. Yeah. Um, and so, from that point of view, I really would love to have that involvement and explore. You know, making sure they are set up, making sure that they're you know using things wisely. And we've heard lots of you know cautionary tales. You know, Q. Dennis Rodman and those sorts of people over in the US that have made millions of dollars and had nothing left. Yeah. Um, and I just think that, you know, it's it's a piece where there could be so much value added to the to the playing community, um, but also, yeah, working with them. And, you know, there's some players out there, and, and I, I don't want to name names so I don't want to pop them on their ability, but there's some players out there that have made a really good future career for themselves um, outside of, you know, sport. And I'm, I'm specifically looking at rugby league without necessarily being the most talented players. And there's other players who, as I said... They've been 10 years. They've played for Australia. They've done all these things, and they've got nothing to show when they're, you know, busted up bodies working as, as bricklayers and different things um, mm-hmm. after footy. Which is, you know, it's it's a little bit sad when you think about it. So it's a, you know, work with my partner in business to try and, you know, have a look at how we can structure that, how we can give them, you know, business advice, financial advice, help them manage all those sides so that they're set up, you know, at least to the best they can be when they finish footy and potentially for future career options as well, giving some guidance and things there rather than just. Yeah, negotiating a couple of contracts, taking some cream off the top, and goodbye, farewell when they're when they're you know finished playing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now, what what's the um like? What's the process to be an NRL agent these days? Like, you know, from an AFL point of view, it's it's you know it's not exactly easy. You've got to you know attend workshops. You got to. Go through a bit of a course and you have got an exam. Like it's it's pretty hard and it costs as well. Is it sort of the same for NRL?
0: Similar, not quite as in depth in terms of the exams and courses. There are some pieces that you've got to tick off and you know being a fit and proper person, yeah. Um, making sure that you go through and you, you know you meet their criteria with a few different pieces as well in terms of it. Um, again, as always, there's sort of a there's a subscription fee to start with and then an annual fee ongoing. Which yep. allows for their sort of maintenance because it's sort of maintained under similar to the players, player agency and supervised by the NRL and uh, making sure that that all signs off. So, and, and to be fair, most of the sports that I've looked at are, are very similar at different stages. Some are, I think, cricket's probably the, 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 the lowest threshold. F- soccer is very intense. Um, and there are pieces that we've talked about like with the sort of business partner as to whether we expand into other sports. But certainly rugby league will be the first focus just because that's where my background
1: is. Yeah, awesome. No, it's super interesting. I, I think. It's the same. Like having gone through that, I've looked into some other sports, and um, they're all different. But at the same time, you know, there's arguments to say like you shouldn't have too many. You know, if, if you've got hundreds and hundreds of people, it, it's like you know, are they are they genuine? Are they, are they wanting to do it for the right reason? That kind of thing. So I think it's good that there's some limitations in terms of who who jumps in and uh, and, and who doesn't. Um, Touching on some uh, some advice now, um, what's what's the best piece of advice you've received from a, a public speaking standpoint?
0: Well, I think it's that that piece just before is that you know no no one really knows what the script is. Um, so you know I've always found and it's always something I sort of a little bit of a mantra when I go up there and um, you know even recently presenting at a conference um, on the day day job side of it, it was very much something that the guy I was presenting with I sort of said to him and you know it's very much a relaxing point of view. It's not about don't be detailed, don't be prepared, don't be ready to go. But it is, you know, if, if you make a little slip, there's a good chance no one in the audience actually knows even though you may think it's, you know, the end of the world. So just, you know, relax and, you know, understand that as long as you know what you're doing and you, you've done your preparation and as much as you can, one small slip of words isn't the end of the world. Just, yeah, lean, lean into it, bounce back and keep going.
1: And what do you do to um, keep yourself calm? Because I know... So many people just hate public speaking and, you know, to the point where they're like shaking and all that kind of thing. And everyone's always wanted to get more confident in it. So is there anything you, you do to, to calm yourself down and sort of get yourself in the right headspace?
0: I just try and make sure that like my thought process is really focused on what I'm doing, try and minimize any distractions, um, which can be really hard depending on the audience. If, you know, if there's people you know in the audience and things like that, like, you know. Uh, Rube 's was obviously talking about the wedding before. That's mm. that's one of the most challenging environments when you're in a small small group. I'll say in inverted commas, you know, of a hundred or so people or less, and you know most of them, and you know there's always someone trying to throw you a cheeky look or something like that. So it's kind of just get into that zone, focus on what your content is, make sure you're appropriately prepared, and you know, um, yeah, what's that? Uh, the, the five P's, right? Um, yep. Proper preparation prevents. <laughs> Um, yeah performance yeah. uh so yeah so it, it, it's it's one of those things it's you need to find something that probably just grounds you and centers you back as well where i can i'll generally have something small in my hand um or i'll put my hand on my pocket where i can just sort of rub the fingers together or just you know grip because it just centers and grounds me again but just have yeah. something have like a physical cue um where possible and that could be anything it could be having a pen in your hand it depends on what scenario you're in right like um, it's quite hard if you're up in front of a large crowd and there's not much for you to work with but that's where it might be just you know on the edge of your pocket or something else like that's I quite often use that just to ground myself get myself back in a moment if yep. I start to freeze up or lose focus
1: yeah nice no, that's super interesting yeah and, it, and like it changes depending on what the gig is right as well like you know like from the experience I've had is just kind of hosting like sports grab meetups right and in that environment it's like everyone's looking at you so if you're holding something, it's kind of like unusual. So, and, you know, you don't know where to look and all that kind of thing. But then on the flip side, like when you're doing ground announcing, only like a small portion of the crowd probably know where you are at any one point, so no one's sort of looking at you. So I can imagine yeah. that might be a little bit easier than when you're, you're hosting something and, and whatnot.
0: Yeah, it certainly is. And even ground announcing, it depends if you're, you know, on ground, on camera, um, you know, presenting to the big screen. Generally, in that case, it's only sort of, you know, the torso, it's on, on screen, so if one of your hands yep. is below, that's fine. Uh, but yeah, it's it's just finding something, and, and sometimes it can even be if you've got a microphone, just finding you know something on the microphone that's just like you know it might just be pushing your index finger, like pressing the fingerprint of your ing- index finger into it, yep. into you know the base of the microphone or the side of the microphone. Just again, that just triggers your brain to, to come back to the present rather than the the mm. what ifs. I think so. It's not foolproof it's not perfect but it yeah worked reasonably well for me i mean i'm still getting gigs so
1: obviously it must be okay yeah <laughs> you must be yeah must be going okay that's good um mate finally um what's some career advice that you would give to your 20 year old self
0: uh my 20 year old self would be just give it a go uh, i spent a lot of time hesitating pausing not wanting to do it worried what other people will think just give it a go, say yes. And if people are, if you're worried about what people are thinking and people are being negative in regards to it, then they're not part of your success anyway. Um, they're not the right people to be surrounding yourself with. Like some of your mates might give you a little bit of stick, but they'll soon enough get on board. But if people are persistently sort of cutting you down, then they're not people who are invested in you and they're not the people whose feedback you really need to worry about, I think is is a really big key. Like I had a lot of people when I first started the podcast kind of, you know, had a bit of a dig and kept running with that and it just, probably shows more about them than it does about you and yeah get into it give it a go don't wait till it's perfect because if you wait till it's perfect you'll wait too long and you'll never get started
1: love that sooner you stop caring what people think the the happier you'll be Mate, it's, uh, it's been absolutely awesome having you on and um, as you know, you're one of our absolute favourite members that have been part of Sports SportsGrad and you're always so giving in terms of helping people get into this space and, and offer some advice. So we've really appreciated getting to know you over the last couple of years and um, we've been keen to get you on the pod for some time because this is a space that we love chatting about. It's, it's interesting, it's fun um, and you're probably our, our star member who's uh, in the MC ground announcing space. So... Um, it's awesome to have you on, and uh, and good luck for the rest of the year.
0: No, thank you very much, mate, and yeah, just again, thanks to you guys for what you've done with Sports Grid. It's been great. I love being part of the community, and if anyone is interested in any of this, just reach out on LinkedIn. Awesome, mate. Thanks again.
1: Guys, it's time now for the People's Segment, Ask SportsGrad, where every week we answer a question directly from our community. If you'd like to ask a question first, just become a Sports SportsGrad member via our website uh, where you can join our next wait list and then you can add your question to the feedback channels in Discord. Ruse, this one's a bit of a different flavor this week and this one comes from an employer who I've recently chatted to. And they gave me this feedback about um, candidates that they get and, and sometimes the issues that they find. And they basically said that candidates are often fantastic at describing their knowledge and their experiences in the industry, but unfortunately they lack the ability to link their experience to the actual job description and desired criteria. So question for you, is there anything people can be doing mm. to, to nail this part of their interview?
2: Yeah, great great points and very interesting that this is coming up and uh, it's a problem that we... See often as well. People often know the core things that they've done, and they might have a few set examples that they know thoroughly and rec- can recall really well. But if there's a bunch of different experience where they have to kind of target their responses too, then it can require a bit of um, you know tailoring of your response to make sure you're not you, you know you're using the best example possible. So the way to do this is. Um, Firstly, you want to get an understanding of what are the different skills needed to do the job and you want to get a list of um, all the skills that you possess as well. And then it's up to you to understand that list of your own skills and be able to pick out one at an immediate request and match it to the skill that you've been asked. So to prepare for this, you might literally go through a job description and highlight all the different skills involved. And some job descriptions may ask 25 different things of you, but that's okay because that's good practice. And so once you've got this list of skills from the job description, then you want to, then underneath each of them, you want to start to list out what are your best examples. So for example, if, if it requires you to have sales experience, when have you done selling? Or if it requires you to have um, written communication experience, when have you done that? And so literally just start to dot point all the different different experiences you have under every single type of skill that they require. And you want to do this um, for quite a bit of time because you are increasing your awareness of what you can do. And that becomes really important when you get to an interview and they ask you about maybe skill number seven on the list that you identified. And you've got to realize, okay, actually my best experience that matches this is this uh, niche experience that I had in a two-month internship, for example, rather than you know the core experience that you tell everybody about. So really, being able to match your skills to the job description is a combination of having the awareness of what your skills are and the ability to recall the right example at the right time. And the only way that you can do that is by spending the time to get to know your professional experience
1: love that Yeah, it dead right it's it's all well and good talking about the experience you've had but at the end of the day if you're not matching it up with what they're actually after then uh you'll be one of those guys that look really great on paper but when you present it's not quite gonna hit hit where they're wanting so uh yeah that's awesome and some really easy steps just to to know that each time so um it's good. I like that flavor of question. Maybe you should chat to the employers on the podcast a bit more and get their insight as well. Brilliant. Well, if you'd like to ask a question or ask our friends in sport a question, uh, you can become a SportsGrab member. Every fortnight, we jump on a virtual Q&A or masterclass and it's an open floor for you to ask us or any industry professionals any of your questions. And then all of these sessions are recorded so you can get immediate access to over 50 hours of exclusive content uh, ready for you to to access whenever you like. So jump on and uh, and get involved. You can find us on LinkedIn, plus give us some love with a rating. If you enjoy the show, subscribe on Apple or follow on Spotify. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.
2: Hey guys, one last thing before you go. If you'd enjoy a quick email from us each Friday on all the latest job openings networking events, Q&As with industry professionals and latest podcast episodes, then subscribe to the Sports Grad newsletter. Head to our website, www.sportsgrad.com.au forward slash newsletter to subscribe. There's also a link in our show notes to join.